On today's episode, a showdown with the devil and a maiden with the best and worst luck you could ever imagine. This is Maiden Without Hands. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast where we appreciate how much better and more entertaining folktales and fairy tales used to be back when they were super dark and totally insane. I've got the most true to the original version of Grimm's Fairy Tales that I could find, and we're going through each tale front to back. We'll figure out the real, often unintended lessons each story teaches, and at the end of each episode, I'll adapt the tale into a movie or TV show. So let's not waste any time and get right into today's tale, titled Maiden Without Hands. They're really not messing around or getting fancy with the title. There's no metaphor here. It's exactly what you think it is. We begin. A miller who was so poor that he had nothing else but his mill and a large apple tree behind it went into the forest to fetch wood. While there, he met an old man who said, Why are you torturing yourself so much? I'll make you rich if you promise to give me what's behind your mill. In three years, I'll come and fetch what's mine. The miller thought to himself, That's my apple tree. So he said yes, and signed it away to the man. When the miller returned home, his wife said to him, Tell me, miller. So she doesn't use his name, she just calls him by his job. It's a bit impersonal. How did all this wealth suddenly get into our house? All at once I've discovered our chests and boxes are full of money. It's from a stranger I met in the forest, he said. That's never a good thing to hear. He promised me great wealth if I agreed in writing to give him what's behind our mill. Oh, husband, his wife exclaimed in dread. This is terrible. That was the devil. He didn't mean the apple tree, but our daughter, who was behind the mill sweeping out the yard. The miller's daughter was a beautiful and pious maiden, and after three years the devil appeared quite early and wanted to fetch her. But she drew a circle around herself and purified herself. Unsure what that means exactly. Consequently, the devil couldn't get near her, and he said angrily to the miller, I want you to take all the water away from her so she can't wash herself anymore. Then I'll have power over her. So does the devil only have power over dirty people? Seems like a pretty easy easy way to outsmart the devil here. Since the miller was afraid of the devil, he did as he was told. The next morning the devil came again, but she wept on her hands and washed herself with her tears so that she was completely clean. Once more, the devil couldn't get near her, and said furiously to the miller, Chop off her hands so that I can grab hold of her. Uh Uh-oh. The miller was horrified and replied, How can I chop off the hands of my own dear child? I won't do it. You know what? The devil said, Then I'll take you instead if you don't do it. The father was so terribly scared of him that in his fear he promised to do what the devil commanded. He went to his daughter and said, 
My child, if I don't chop off both your hands, the devil will take me away. And in my fear, I promised to do it. Please forgive me. Father, she answered, do what you want with me. Oh, fuck off. First of all, the devil's trying to take her away anyway. At this point, just let him take you instead. Just let him take the miller. If he takes the miller, then the girl will be spared. If the miller cuts her hands off, then she could still be taken. But now on top of being taken, you've also gone and cut her hands off. This guy is a terrible father. All of these folktale fathers are terrible. I also hate the whole do what you want with me. Stories like this, and some modern movies and TV shows too, they make it seem virtuous to stoically accept unjust or terrible behavior. As though putting up with bullshit is heroic. It's not. Fuck that. Stand up for yourself. We continue. Then she extended both her hands and let him chop them off. The devil came a third time, but she had wept so long and so much on her stumps that they too were all clean. So he lost any claim he had to her. How does that work? Firstly, I don't really get how crying on yourself purifies you and protects you from the devil. It seems like a lot of people would get out of their deals with the devil if crying got them out of it. Everyone probably cries when the devil comes for them. Never heard of the devil be like, Oh, they're crying. I can't take them now. All right, you can keep your soul. What is this three strikes situation? If the devil fails three times, you can go free? Never heard of that before. She cried on her hand stumps on his third attempt, and the devil was like, ah, just forget it. Mythology has led me to believe that the devil is pretty persistent. I don't think he'd give up this easily, but alright, I guess we're in the clear now. Now you've just got this miller trying to live with his daughter whose hands he just cut off. See how that goes. Probably going to be pretty awkward moving forward. And I'm guessing she's going to get a pass on having to do any housework. Both because the miller probably feels really bad for accidentally promising her to the devil and then cutting her hands off. And also because she's got no hands. I mean, she can't do a lot of manual labor with no hands. Especially in olden times. I guess they didn't have prosthetics and stuff back then. Anyway, we continue. Now, since the miller had gained so much wealth thanks to his daughter, he promised her he would see to it that she'd live in splendor for the rest of her life. That's nice. But she didn't want to remain there. Okay, I guess I can't blame her for that. His father seems pretty incompetent and bumbling. I don't know if you'd want to stick with the guy after he just cut your hands off and got you into this whole situation. At least he wants to be nice to her now. The maiden said, I want to leave here and shall depend on the kindness of people to provide me with whatever I need. What? This is a terrible plan. You suffered through all that bullshit, got your hands cut off, just take your reward. Says the miller wants to make sure she lives in splendor for the rest of her days, it's time to just finally enjoy your freedom and your wealth and just enjoy your life. Just relax. This is sad. Then she had her maimed hands bound to her back, and at dawn she set out on her way and walked and walked the entire day 
until it had become dark and she had reached the king's garden. So she's just walking around through the forest with her disembodied hands just tied onto her back. That would look terrifying. If your plan is to rely on the kindness of strangers, I don't know if this is the best way to present yourself. I mean, I definitely wouldn't want to pick up a hitchhiker who had a pair of severed hands dangling from their back. Think it through, maiden. Think it through. There was a hole in the edge of the garden, so she went inside through the hole and found an apple tree that she shook with her body. When the apples fell to the ground, she leaned over and lifted them with her teeth and ate them. She lived this way for two days, but on the third the guards came and saw her, so they seized her and threw her into the prison house, and on the next day she was led before the king and was to be expelled from the country. Why, cried the prince, it would be better if she looked after the chickens in the courtyard. I mean, I don't know how great she's going to be at taking care of chickens when she has no hands, but it's nice of the prince. It's clearly a kind, kindly prince. So she remained there for some time and looked after the chickens. Meanwhile, the prince saw her often and became very fond of her. However, the time came for him to marry, and royal messengers were sent out all over the world to find a beautiful bride for him. "'You don't have to send out messengers to search far,' said the prince." I know a bride who is very close by. Oh, this is actually turning into a really sweet story. The old king reflected and tried to think of a maiden, but he wasn't familiar with any young lady in his land who was beautiful and rich. You don't intend to marry that maiden who tends to the chickens in the courtyard, do you? The son explained, however, that he wouldn't marry anyone else but her. Good for you, prince. Finally, the king had to yield to his wish, and soon thereafter, he died. The prince inherited the throne and lived happily with his wife for some time. Man, this is working out really well. Yet at one point, the young king had to leave his realm to fight in a war, and during his absence, his wife gave birth to a beautiful child. She sent a messenger with a letter to announce the good news, However, on the way, the messenger stopped to rest near a brook and fell asleep. Then the devil appeared, for he was still trying to harm the pious queen, and so he exchanged the letter for another one that said the queen had given birth to a changeling. When the king read the letter, he was quite distressed, but he wrote a letter in which he declared that the queen and the child should be protected until his return. The messenger started back with the letter, but he stopped to rest at the same spot and fell asleep. Once again, the devil came and put a different letter in his pocket that said they should banish the queen and the child from his land. This was to be done even if all the people at the court wept out of sadness. I didn't come here to become queen, I don't have any luck, and also don't demand any, the queen declared. Bind my child and my hands on my back, then I'll set out into the world. <sighs> okay, this girl needs to stick up for herself a little bit. Just a little bit. They should all know that this is super out of character for the king. Maybe you just be like, we'll wait until he gets back before making any big moves. Maybe I'll, I'll just go live in this other castle for a little while with my child. 
stick up for yourself and your child a little bit. Stop just accepting what everyone does and the decisions everyone makes. Also, she's the queen right now. Presumably she's in charge while the king is away. And yes, it's a direct order from the king, but it's a letter. You can fake letters. Just wait. Also, her hands have to be in rough shape at this point. It's been years that these these disembodied hands she's just been carrying around with her, they've got to be withered and just super messed up. Maybe they're just bones. I don't know. But in any event, she's strapping her super old, possibly grisly bone hands to her back, along with her child, and her kid's probably playing with those bones as, as she walks through the forest. That evening, she reached a fountain in a dense forest where a good old man was sitting. Please show me some mercy, she said, and lift my child to my breast so that I can give him something to drink. Oh my god, this is so sad. If you can't even lift your child to feed the child, fight a little harder to stick in a situation where you're not being banished. Come on, lady. The man did this, whereupon he said to her, There's a thick tree standing over there. Go over and wrap your maimed arms around it. When she did this, her hands grew back. Thereupon, the old man pointed to a house. Go and live there. Don't leave the house and don't open the door unless someone asks three times to enter for God's sake. Okay. In the meantime, the king returned home and realized how he had been deceived. Did he think the messenger just, like, swapped the letters? How did he know it was the devil? Again, everyone just immediately knows it's the devil. Consequently, he set out, accompanied by a single servant, to look for his wife. After a long journey, he lost his way one night in the same forest in which the queen was living. However, he didn't know that the queen was so close. Over there, his servant said, there's a little light glimmering in a house. Thank God we can rest there. Not at all, responded the king. I don't want to rest very long. I want to continue to search for my wife before I can take any rest. But the servant pleaded and complained so much about being tired that the king agreed out of compassion. Well, it's a good thing this servant is such a whiny little bitch, I guess, but why doesn't the king want to check the house? Why doesn't he want to check houses? If they're searching for someone, shouldn't they look at houses too? What, is he just looking behind all the trees? This king is bad at searching. When they arrived at the house, the moon was shining, and they saw the queen standing at the window. Goodness, that must be our queen, the servant said. She resembles her very much, but I realize that she can't be the queen, because this woman has hands. The servant requested lodging for the night, but she refused because he didn't ask for God's sake. So he wanted to move on and look for another place to spend the night. Then the king himself stepped forward and cried out, For God's sake, let me enter. I can't let you enter until you ask me three times for God's sake. She just told him about the three times thing? It's not like a good system if you just tell the person the system. If someone's like, don't open the door for anyone unless they knock three times, and someone comes up 
and just knocks once. You can't be like, I can only open the door for you if you knock three times. You just tell the person... Anyway, messy. After the king asked another two times for God's sake, she opened the door. What's even the point of this God's sake thing? I don't know. Then his little son came skipping toward him and led the king to his mother, and he recognized her immediately as his beloved wife. The next morning, just as they left the house and began traveling together to return to their country, the house vanished right behind them. The end. Okay, so I guess the old man who fixed her hands and gave her the house was God? That's why we have the God's sake thing, because just to make sure we knew that it was God. It looks like we've got a suddenly religious bent to this story here at the end here. But there we go. Hmm. I think the intended message here is that if you trust others and trust God, then everything will work out. Maybe I'm missing something, but that's all I can come up with. And... Mm. See, I don't like stories like this, because this woman has no real agency or self-determination, and decidedly so. At every single step, she is completely at the whim of the people around her, and willfully accepts whatever they want to do with her. I don't think, accept whatever happens to you and trust God that it'll all work out is a good lesson. Because this story only works out because the prince happens to be a really great guy, and happens to be super in love with her, and first saves her from being banished, and then goes and rescues her after she does get banished. If the prince hadn't come to the rescue, she'd be dead. That's pretty obvious here. She has no hands. Her survival skills are super limited. She was literally just pushing her body into a tree to get an apple to fall. I don't think that is a sustainable way to stay alive. Anyway, I don't like the message of just accepting all the terrible things that happen to you and hoping that some prince comes along and saves you. This girl needs to stick up for herself. This story is literally just a bunch of men making decisions and deciding what this poor girl's fate will be. First it's her dad, the miller, then the devil, then the prince, then the old man, slash god. She is literally living and dying at the whims of these random guys, just these random men. When she beats the devil the first time, she has all that wealth with her father, who wants to give her money and let her live in splendor and lead a comfortable life, and at that moment, she has a real opportunity to make some decisions with her life and determine what she wants to do, and she literally decides to just wander the countryside and leave her fate up to the kindness of random people. That sounds like someone who has fully given up on life. Who is so devastatedly depressed by what her father just did that she is like, My life is nothing. I am wandering into the forest to die. That is unbelievably sad. Fuck that. When her dad was about to cut off her hands, she should have been like, You're the one that made a deal that was obviously too good to be true. You're the one who got us into this mess. You go with the devil. Because that option was literally given to them. That was on the table, to trade the father for the girl. Then the girl would be left there with all the money, and boom, everything's great. And sure, you could say, well, now she's a queen, and it all worked out. But yeah, that's, that's bullshit. That's nonsense. There's no way 
That's how this would have actually worked out. So what's the actual lesson here? Well, the first lesson is, again, that the dads in these old folktales are absolutely terrible. These folktale fathers are the worst. I mean, this dad is the one who accidentally made the deal with the devil, so it's all his fault they're in this mess to begin with, and then he's literally given the choice to sacrifice himself in his daughter's place, or cut off her hands and let the devil keep trying to take her anyway, and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna chop her hands off and let the devil have another go at her. Sorry, sorry, dear. And then he did it. He cut his own daughter's hands off. It's the worst dad ever. And now the second lesson is to make your own decisions. Don't just accept the decisions other people make for you. Like the actual message of this tale is to show how unrealistic it is to expect things to just work out and expect a prince to save you time and time again. Because the maiden doesn't outwit the devil. She just cries all over her hands and her stumps, and somehow that works. It's never fully explained why that works, by the way. Why being wet and clean is protection from the devil. And then she just leaves her fate to the whims of others. And later, she just accepts, without any protest, banishment to the forest. Even though it makes no sense and is super out of character of the prince to banish her. The message of the story is, if you don't assert yourself and make decisions about what you want, then other people will make decisions for you, bad things will happen to you, and you won't be able to improve things for yourself because you are making decisions and taking control of your life. You'll just have to wander through the forest as a wounded, handless drifter and just hope someone saves you, which is incredibly unrealistic. So take control of your life. Don't let others determine your fate for you because it won't work out like it does in this story. And even if it does, her life sounds pretty brutal and stressful and horrible anyway. Sure, she's a queen by the end of it, but holy shit has she been through a series of traumatic ordeals. She's probably got unbelievable levels of PTSD and anxiety and mental health issues. She fought the devil and her dad literally cut off her hands. I mean, fuck. Whew, okay, let's adapt this thing. We're sticking in medieval times. I like that. And I think this could be a whole 8 or 10 episode series here. You could stretch this one out. So, we've got a maiden living in the forest alone. The maiden will be played by Rebel Wilson. She's very industrious and self-sufficient, and does very well for herself, and she doesn't take any bullshit. She's got a garden, and she hunts in the forest with a bow and arrow, and everything's great. And one day, her father, who is the town drunk and a total mess, visits her as he occasionally does. And the father is played by Zach Galifianakis. I know he's not that much older than Rebel Wilson, but we can give him some makeup, make him look older. So he visits her, and she feeds him, and they talk, and she gives him a coat that she made to keep him warm, and a few jars of soup, so he's got some food, and he goes back to town. But on the way, he's accosted by a trio of bandits, and the lead bandit will be played by Sasha Baron Cohen. So they see him with a nice new coat and a couple jars of nice soup, and they say, hey, where do you get this nice stuff, you old drunk? And they intimidate him and threaten to hurt and kill him until he tells them that his daughter lives through the forest a ways. So the bandits find the maiden in her home, and two of them are kind of like bumbling idiots, but the third one, Sasha Baron Cohen, 
is very clever. So first they visit her, and they're like, give us, give us your food and your weapons and your supplies. And she says, I'll give you some soup if you're hungry, as I would to any hungry traveler, but I'm keeping my supplies and my weapons. So no, it's not happening. And they respond, give us your stuff, or we'll kill you and take it. But she stands her ground, and they attack. She ends up killing one of them, but in the chaos, she gets her hands chopped off by the head bandit and flees, and her home catches fire. They burn it down, and she's forced to flee as her home burns down behind her. And the two surviving bandits swear vengeance upon her, shouting into the forest as she flees. She escapes with some money in her pockets, thankfully, and and makes her way to town. She stays at an inn and impresses the old owner of the inn with the way she breaks up a fight between a bunch of rowdy patrons at the bar, in spite of having no hands, which is pretty impressive. She's also super sassy and clever and funny, so he likes her, so he brings her on, and she also further impresses him when she starts a garden behind the inn and shares her delicious recipes, and so she's doing everything. She's She's giving the cooks her recipes, teaching them a bunch of stuff. She's keeping order in the inn with all these rowdy, burly travelers and wanderers. She's a great rock star. So she works at the inn, and things are going well, until one day the two bandits happen to stop at the inn, and they recognize her. They get angry and attack her, and she kills the second bandit, before the surrounding people get a hold of the head bandit, the clever one, Sasha Baron Cohen. And because this is a big incident in town, and the fact that someone was killed... The maiden and the lead bandit are brought before the prince for judgment. And the prince will be played by Bill Hader. I like the idea of Bill Hader as, as a very monotone sort of affable prince. So the townspeople and the inn owner, they give their accounts about what happened, and the prince orders the bandit to be imprisoned. However, he is very impressed and, and taken with the maiden, and so he invites her to accompany him on a hunting party. So they go hunting, and she's very charming and impressive and surprisingly capable, even with having no hands, and before long, they fall in love. The bandit is rotting in jail, but he's very clever, and one day, he manages to trick the guards and escape. Years pass by, and the prince and the maiden are married, and have a child, and everything's going well. Meanwhile, the bandit has changed his appearance and is obsessed with vengeance on the the now queen, whom he thinks ruined his life because she killed his two companions and put him in jail. So he impresses a very rich but very disreputable man while gambling one night. And he becomes this rich man's advisor, and he works his way up the ladder by acquiring intelligence and blackmailing other noblemen and women until he is a very well-connected man. And there's kind of a Count of Monte Cristo element here, except it's the bad guy instead of the good guy. Now, a war breaks out, and the prince has to go fight in it, just like in the original story. And the bandit knows that this is his time to strike at the queen. So at this moment, he reveals to all the nobles that the maiden who is now their queen is actually the daughter of the shameful old town drunk. He makes a big deal about this, saying that it it brings shame upon their kingdom, and they shouldn't allow such a woman to rule over them. At the very least, she shouldn't be selling their throne and castle, so because of his connections and blackmail of the nobility, he convinces everyone to send her to an estate in the countryside, saying, at the very worst, the prince can bring her back into the castle when he returns, but, but he has no intention 
of letting her live that long. So she's sent to the estate with her father just to rub salt in the wound. And her father is apologetic and, and tells her how embarrassed he is of himself and how proud he is of her. And she's nothing but benevolent and kind to him, as she always has been. Because, of course, she's been taking care of him all this time still. She, she tells him that he's a much better man than he was. He's cleaned himself up quite well. And she's proud of him and how far he's come. And there's a nice moment between them, and they have some, some witty banter. Just let Rebel Wilson and Zach Galifianakis go. That, that would be just fantastic, just watching them improvise. And then one night, the bandit bribes her guards away, and he sneaks into the estate. And unbeknownst to anyone, he'd even booby-trapped the place before they arrived. So it was all part of his plan. So he sets off one of the booby-traps, and a bunch of straps come down and pin the maid into her bed, immobilizing her. And the bandit comes in, standing in the doorway, and he reveals his true identity, saying he will finally take his vengeance. And he unsheaths a long knife and moves forward to kill her when suddenly a blade emerges from his chest. And the bandit crumples to the floor to reveal the maiden's father standing behind him. Zach Galifianakis looking victorious. The father frees her, and they reveal the bandit's true identity as a traitor and a blackmailer, and together they return together to the castle. And now the father is no longer hidden as a shameful secret, but is celebrated as a reformed man who helped save the kingdom by saving the queen. The bandit's network unravels, and all is well. Prince Bill Hader returns victorious, and they live happily ever after. There we go. I feel like you could definitely get 8 to 10 episodes out of that. And it sends a better message. The Maiden excels because of her own capabilities and virtues instead of because of others. It also shows that kindness and aid toward others, in this instance her father, is better for everyone and makes the whole community stronger and better. And even if you lose or don't have a particular capability yourself, represented here by her having no hands, by... Strengthening and helping others, you're actually helping yourself too, to make yourself stronger and more capable. Which is shown when her father ultimately saves her, which he wouldn't have been able to do if she hadn't supported him and helped him to get better. Boom. There we go. There's the adaptation. And that will do it for this week's episode. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Come back next week for a story titled... Clever Hans. Clever Hans. Gonna see why he's so damn clever. I'm Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. <laughs>